0: You are listening to The Momcast, the best weekly comic book podcast recorded in Southampton, England on Thursday nights. <laughs> 246th episode, we won't be talking about this week's comics, and in his spotlight, James talks about Doctor Horrible and other horrible stories by Zach Whedon et al. Around the mic tonight are... me. Literally just me. Uh, Nick. Uh, Nick speaking. Nick here. It's an unusual week. James has spent some of the day at the beach. And Jane is on her birthday week, which, uh, which happens once a year. Um, so happy birthday to Jane. Hope you're having a really good time. We could have, j- normally James and I would have recorded, would have gone to the studio and recorded. Um, he will, uh, later on be telling you that it's all his fault that we're, we're not actually recording a, a proper show, but actually it's all on me. Uh, we're having, an exhausting week, uh, here at Chez Papa Constantinou. And, uh, for probably the first time where there hasn't been something really pressing, uh, and impossible to avoid happening, uh, I, I cried it, cried it off. I was like, uh, it's gonna be too difficult. It's gonna be too difficult to go into the studio. So James, uh, James took advantage of that by having a very lovely day. Um, I spent most of the day Watching Fresh Meat on Netflix. Fresh Meat's a very weird show. If you haven't uh, if you haven't seen it, listener, it's about a bunch of students uh, in uh, in off-campus housing, which is the only sort of housing I ever lived in. Uh, so they're all supposed to be freshers, I think, and um. It, it, it's quite madcap and quite odd and they're all very strong and unusual characters. Most of them aren't very nice, but it's one of that breed of sitcom that doesn't really have laugh out loud jokes. Everything's just, hmm, yeah, people are awful, aren't they? Sort of, sort of laughs. Uh, but I have to admit, I very much enjoyed it. That's not interesting. Not about comics. It's just something I've done this week. Um, we've been having lots of, uh, house, Purchase and difficult conversations with estate agents and stuff like that this week as well. So, uh, so that's uh, that's why if I sound a little bit gone, that's why. So no Jane this week. Uh, as I said, James uh, James is going to be on the show for his spotlight later on. Uh, but uh, I also didn't get to the comic shop this week. So, um, have I read any comics this week? Hmm. Yeah, I read the first part of the new Dream Thief series. Dream Thief is a story from uh, Dark Horse, is a comic from Dark Horse that I really, really liked and didn't hear many people talking about. And I actually missed the first issue of of the uh, new series coming out when it did. I think it came out a couple of weeks ago. It's a four-part series. Um, it's basically uh, the mask as in uh the John Arcudi series that the Jim Carrey film was based on is basically that if instead of the mask possessing you and you becoming all crazy and zany and Jim Carrey uh you became a uh, vengeful murderer but i'll probably do a proper review of the second issue when that comes out uh, because the first series was great and the first episode of this series was also great. Um, Other than that, I find myself compelled to read all of Captain America, uh, all of the current run of Captain America by Rick Remender, uh, largely because it's caused such a ruckus. I like Rick Remender's Deadly Class um, I have liked other stuff by him before. I really like, I really like The Last Days of American Crime. He seems to, he seems to benefit from writing short, short, high concept series. And, uh, yeah, I really like Last Days of American Crime, but I haven't really enjoyed much of his Marvel mainstream stuff. I don't, I, I tend to find X-Force I found quirky and, and fun for a little bit, but started to go off that. Uncanny Avengers, while I actually totally understood what he did with, uh, Havoc talking about, um, sorry, Alex Summers talking about the M word. I kind of got early on what he was getting at with that, I think. Um, I don't think we were supposed to agree with Alex Summers. Uh, but I didn't really like how he responded to criticism as much as that criticism was probably out of line back then and i actually wrote a post i'll put it in the show notes but i wrote a post for um for the mom comics blog about it at the time i felt it was in keeping with the character i just found it a little bit annoying there's something annoyingly poppy and and hip and knowing and cool about his books. But I know that James really enjoyed uh, the ones from Marvel, that is. I know James really enjoyed the Captain America, the first few issues of the Captain America, the most recent volume. I didn't really get on with them, so I haven't read them, but they've caused such a fuss, and there seems to be so much cognitive dissonance. Uh, events in the most recent issue has caused so much cognitive dissonance on... um tumblr blogs specifically but also on twitter with people calling for him to be fired over um the, the the there seems to have been a flashpoint around something that people are misinterpreting that happened in the most recent issue but when called on that misinterpretation they will then generally say well but it doesn't matter because i've hated what he's been doing with the with the character for all this time and um When a writer causes outrage for doing something that seems on the surface to be quite innocuous, it kind of makes me want to read the thing so that I can form my own opinion. Um, So yeah, at some point in the near future, I'm probably going to have to read that. Uh, No awkward middle bit this week. No uh, put something in James's mouth, um, thankfully, because... That would mean we'd have to hear that horrible noise he makes. As I said, no weekly comic reviews. I won't even be making my stupid 2000 Day D joke that I really, really love, but that I seem to ruin the more often I do it. I ruin it slightly more the more often I do it. Um, What you will have are some contributions from some uh, great contributors uh, of ours, friends of the show, uh, George Beedham has sent us something in. Peter Hammerson sent us something in, uh, about, like, before he, before anybody knew that we were gonna have a panic, uh, panic session this week. Um, and also the fast talking Max Barnard will be coming up in a little bit as well. Um, as always, full show notes, although they're gonna be a lot shorter than usual this time, uh, you'll find those at momcomics.com. You can listen to us at, uh, you can listen and subscribe to us, uh, at, your podcatcher of choice. You should be able to find us on any of those. We favour Stitcher at the moment. But, you know, iTunes still kind of works. Um, I use Pocket Cast on my phone because I really like that as well. Uh, you can also listen to us on SoundCloud. And if you want to talk to us about this episode or about comics in general about or about anything, really, about the show, tell us uh, what you think we're doing right, what you think we're doing wrong. You can do that by emailing us at momcast at gmail.com That's momcast at gmail dot com. Or you can talk to us on Twitter. The main mom account is momcomics. comics. Uh, there's also James Mom, Jane Comics, and I'm nixite, N-I-X-S-I-G-H-T. I did spell that right. Yep, I did. Excellent uh you can also comment directly into the post uh post comments on the mom comic site but you can also uh comment on there's a facebook page uh, there's also a tumblr page there's also a google plus page but we hardly ever really look at that to be honest i think everyone got a google plus page uh, when that was a thing, but I don't really know if anything, if anything's going on with that. Please do, uh, tell anyone you think might enjoy us, uh, about the show. Um, the only way that podcasts really propagate until they hit a certain amount of listeners is, uh, is by word of mouth. Probably point them at a different episode from this one. Our contributors are great. But uh, but neither James nor I is as comfortable with the just one of us to the microphone model that we're both rocking in this particular episode. So, um, but yeah, and if you can rate and review us at any of the podcatchers that you use or anywhere that anywhere that people rate and review podcasts, uh, we would very much appreciate that. Oh, and I should mention Rachel and Miles Explain the X-Men just because James and I usually do that uh, in an episode, but he's not here to do it. Rachel and Miles Explain the X-Men is a really good podcast, you guys. Particularly good uh, production values. But they're talking about X-Men comics I read at the time and I haven't read for a very long time, but they've got this really interesting way of invoking the nostalgia but also making it all feel very current and fresh and it's it's very good you should listen to it and in terms of comic podcasts I don't really listen to that many there's that one small press big mouth um, when it's out and, and that's it really I think comics are comic fandom and comic podcasts and everything are a bit snarky and we try to avoid that here so oh we snark at each other of course Anyway, I've gone on for far too long. Uh, coming up now is George Beedham. George Beedham is, uh, one of our oldest and most northern listeners, um, and contributors. Uh, he is the drafter. he'll tell you this in a second anyway, but he's the drafter of the Mighty Jambo. He'll give you the address in a second. I'll put that in the show notes as well. And he is going to, <laughs> he's, uh, he's creating a series. Uh, of contributions, if he sticks to it, about uh, the aim to try and prove me wrong about my prejudice against the uh, cosmic Marvel comicsy stuff. Uh, up till now, really only Brian Michael Bendis' Guardians of the Galaxy stuff is really, really something I enjoy. I'm I'm not a fan of the cosmic Marvel stuff. Um, so, and if you've listened to the show lots, you'd already know that. So, uh, yeah, he's going to be talking about Drax the Destroyer, uh, in an effort to make me look like an idiot. Uh, enjoy. George
1: Beatum! Wah! Wah! Skiles Drother! Wah! Wah!
2: Hello monkeys, it's George Beedham here, Drother of the Mighty Jambo a George Beden that is sick of recording this same segment over and over again because he either deletes it or just flat out isn't happy with what he's recorded. So I might not even listen to this back. I might just send it in as it is and you can use it or not. It's fine. I'm trying to help you out here, guys. Just give me a break. Um, yeah, I've had a weird day at work. Sorry. Um, yeah. So, uh, I was going to review one of the three books that I picked up this week. However, um, it turns out that one of them was the end of a storyline, so no good to you. One of them was in the middle of a storyline, so there's no point promoting that. And then one of them was just flat-out disappointing, which was uh, Spider-Man 2099. I don't know, it just didn't click for me. Uh, Anyway, I know you guys like to stay as positive as possible on the show. So, here is my entirely positive new segment that I like to call Why Nick is Wrong About How Awesome Cosmic Marvel Can Be. (laughs) Or, you know, something that's a bit punchier. Um, Yeah, so basically I'm going to try and work my way through some of my favourite... Cosmic events. I'm going to start with annihilation, and see how far we get. Yeah. So first up, I'm going to leave the sort of context of the wider uh, sort of annihilation storyline for another time because this little self-contained mini series that I'm going to review today is called Drax the Destroyer, and it doesn't really need a lot of context because there's no. Uh, continuity hang-ups, necessarily. Yeah, so it's written by Keith Giffen, art by Mitt, sorry, Mitch Breitweiser. <laughs> I've recorded this like three times. You think I could say his name by now. And colourist Brian Reber. It's a fun sort of cosmic story about how Drax goes from being a prisoner on a ship to a prisoner of the Nova Corps with... <laughs> A brief aside where the prison ship he was on originally crash lands on Earth with a bunch of other less than savoury uh, alien types including a scroll, some guy called uh, Lunatic who doesn't have a face but likes killing people and a pair of uh, mercenary thugs for hire called the Blood Brothers. Jax basically goes from being um, a thick powerful Hulk type being at the start of this story into the knife-wielding tattooed sociopath that we all know and love from the most recent Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, It's a nice little introduction to cosmic events or cosmic marvel uh, and Drax himself. The art's nice. Um, There's a couple of iffy faces in there. I don't know if that's just my taste or what. Yeah, it's written really well. It cracks along at uh, the pace that you'd expect from Mr. Giffen and his dialogue is snappy as always. Yeah, it's well worth taking the time to dig up. I've got it collected in my uh, Annihilation Book 1 trade paperback. Um, annoyingly, they've just released a massive compilation Uh, hardback of Annihilation collecting the whole thing in one book just as I bought the last bloody volume anyway that's um more my issue than anything else yeah oh this also introduces uh, a character from that you probably know from Avengers Arena called Cammy or at least introduces an 11 year old version of her who's still just as surly and entertaining but not quite as old or tech savvy I guess She'd had a load of cosmic weaponry and stuff in that book, right? I didn't really get to the end. Yeah, so well worth tracking down. And if you would like to read along with my semi-regular segments... Why did I say semi? I'm not American. Yeah, then by all means, crack open your copy of Annihilation Book 1 and meet me back here when I can be bothered recording again And uh, for the prologue. Or, you know, just... Annihilation Nova because the prologue's pretty short if I recall, remember rightly anyway, um, yeah I'm going to stop waffling now, hope this helps you guys out of whatever particular jam you've got yourselves into this time probably something involving unicorns, goodbye
0: that was the inimitable well, you probably could imitate him if you've got a passable northern accent uh, that you do at parties and stuff, George Beedham on Drax the Destroyer I'm hoping he does, I'm hoping he does continue with this series because, um, there are certain runs of cosmic comics that I really should try and give another go. Um, I think when John Byrne, specifically when John Byrne goes cosmic in the classic Fantastic Four run he did, um, and also, in the X Men. I think I've still got very fond memories of of that stuff. The Marvel cosmic universe is broad and a little bit ridiculous. And uh I've realized listening to uh Rachel Miles explain the X Men recently, although I can't remember if I uh if I've mentioned it on the podcast that that um I realised that apparently I I always thought that the Shiar And the Kree, I always kind of thought they were the same people. I've always had them jumbled up in my head. If I thought about it, I'd probably realise they weren't, but I didn't ever think about it hard enough. Um, Also, there are series like Planet Hulk that kind of uh, are in that cosmic comics range uh, that are so critically acclaimed that I should really give them a go. Oh, and actually... You know, Dan Slot Silver Surfer at the moment. That's another book I got up to, got up to date on in the last few days. Um, the first arc just finished, I think. And, uh, that's basically Dan Slot writing a Doctor Who series, but with the Silver Surfer in it as the Doctor instead and, uh, and with a companion and everything. And it's just great. Michael Rudd, uh Michael Rood on art is just amazing as well, but then that, that kind of goes without saying as well. But Dan Slot just having so much fun with this very loose poetic way of writing that he doesn't really get to, uh, get to do that much in Spider-Man. It's just great. It really is cool. And the fact that it's set in space and is all ridiculous just kind of actually works for me in that, in that case. So anyway, uh, that was George. Uh, coming up is Peter Hammerson, who I think is, of our regular contributors and beloved uh, listeners, is probably one of the ones who we only really started talking to more recently, but he's lovely. I always get confused, though, because um, in some places his name is written Peter, as in P-Y-T-Y-R, Hammerson, and um for the longest time I was worried that my instinct to say his name or spell his name as Peter was offensive that it wasn't actually his real name I don't know I'm not sure if I've mentioned that before it's probably not the right place to uh place to say it but whatevs whatevs you guys um yeah he's an artist and he's incredibly supportive of all of the podcasts he listens to and his contributions are always good um, and this week, he talks about the excellent Bo-Jeffrey saga.
3: Hello, monkeys. Hello, fellow listener. How are we all? It's Peter Hammerson here, today recording for the comfort of my own car. Now, is anyone up for a game of comic book call my bluff? I'll start. My question, what is the Bo-Jeffrey saga? Is it A the epic generational tale of one family's trials and tribulations as they move from early 1900s Basingstoke to run a sheep farm in a remote part of Corfu? Or is it B, Alan Moore and Steve Parkhouse's comedy comic series, featuring a strange family of paranormals and their lives in 1980s Britain? Or is it C, an Arga, owned by legendary jazz-funk impresario Bo Jeffries, now, if you said B, you'd be right. C, C might be right as well. I don't know. But in any case, the Beau Jeffries saga, a collection of short comedy comics, originally published in a few different '80s indie comics. A warrior, I'd heard of before, but uh, I've no idea about the others. The stories focus on the misadventures of the Beau Jeffries household, a family of mutants, vampires, werewolves, and the infinitely superior Ginda. Now. I had sort of heard of the Beau Jeffries, but I had no idea what it was until I found it on Kindle for a mere £1 and change. I couldn't resist a bargain like that, especially when I realised who was responsible for it. And my thoughts after reading? Well, it's by Alan Moore, so it's well written, it's weird, and it's really funny. It's got a 1980s feel, but it's not dated. It feels like a period piece now, I guess. Steve Parkhouse's art is fantastic. The characters are cartoony, they're real, they're they're dirty and brilliantly designed. The pages on my Kindle are astonishingly bright, but it makes it look amazing. The only drawback is that there isn't enough. All too soon, we're at that 90s reunion chapter, which uh, takes on things like New Labour, Blair's Babes, Big Brother. Now, for me, this is too dated to be really funny. But I think, overall, that particular story just needs more time to age. In conclusion, then, I can't call the Beau Jeffries saga a forgotten classic because I didn't really know it existed in the first place. But any Alan Moore fan should have a copy. And being only £1.81 on Kindle right now, there's no real excuse. So go. Bye. Thank you.
0: Thank you to Peter for that. I love the beau Jeffrey saga. It's as much as I've gone off Alan Moore quite a lot in recent years, and as much as the constant discussion of his old works as classic books that we're all supposed to fall to our knees in front of um have made me start looking at those job those books a little bit more pragmatically and and starting to wonder whether they are actually. As good as we think they are, or if they were just timely, or good for the time, or just historically important. The thing about that is that, uh, is that amidst all of that, amidst all of those very famous books, uh, sits the Bo Jeffrey Saga, which, uh, isn't one of his well-known books. You can probably hear my dog in the background. She'll be moving back through here in a second. It isn't one of his better-known books. It isn't always in print um but along with the uh, DR and Quinch stuff he did for 2000 AD the short uh very whimsical comedy series he's done really present a less well-known uh less familiar side to him that all the same is just uh, I think just lovely it it's uh, it's a uh, I, I far prefer Alan Moore. I far prefer deliberately funny Alan Moore to, uh, very serious Alan Moore. There are people who argue that he's never that serious, but, but I mean, in terms of his work, I always preferred, I always preferred top 10 to Promethea and, uh, the Bo Jeffries saga is just great and Steve Parkhouse's art just ages so well. Um, it's kind of a classic old old british uh humor comic style, so it does age very well so I'm glad peter brought that old book to our attention now we've got uh crazy fast max barnard that's what i'm going to call him from now on crazy fast uh he's uh he's another one of our long time contributors he's lovely i love max he's also uh i met him very briefly in person at a at a London Super Comic Con last year, which which means that he's he's one of those un un unusual people in the comic podcasting and convention scene who I've met fewer times than pretty much anyone else, but who's also like literally met my entire family, where, where not not everyone has. Uh, he met both Amy and Noah. Um, at LSEC for that very, very brief, uh, moment. And I think we both discovered that we're both quite socially awkward considering how happy we are to commit so much of what we say to, uh, to podcast. But anyway, I guess he's probably our manga correspondent. Nobody else really talks about manga for us. So, uh, this week he's going to be talking about Jintama by Hideaki Surachi. Definitely mangling that.
1: Max Barnard, Max Barnard, he's got a lovely voice. Max
4: Barnard, Max Barnard, comics are his choice. Hello monkeys, I've taken a couple of weeks off. You may have noticed. I kind of hope you did, because, I mean, obviously, I'm trying to be kind of regular, so me being away, you you should have gone, we miss Max, he's really sexy and he's got a... A pretty good willy he's got a pretty good willy anyway let's talk about a comic i've been reading because uh it's Gintama by Hideaki sarachi and it's a weekly shonen jump comic i know big surprise uh but i'm reading it for research purposes because and this is the big news i would put it in james's mouth if i'd remembered uh friendship effort victory is back you can actually go visit it at friendship effort victory dot wordpress dot com the, uh, the latest episode was about Hiroyuki Takei's Shaman King. And, uh, next week's is about Kohei Horikoshi's Barrage. Which... is shit. But that'd give it all away. So tune in on Monday to find out about that. Anyway, Jintama's great. So what it's about, right? Is in Samurai, Samurai Times. These aliens, they come down. And... They take over, and they outlaw swords, which is something like actually happened very much so in the times of ancient Edo. And so these amanto, these aliens, they've, they've taken over, they've kind of made the place steampunk in the non-traditional sense, because it's like, it's like cyberpunk, maybe. I don't understand all the punks. It's kind of... It's like space technology, but in old old Edo yeah and so what it's about is jintoki sakata and his uh odd jobs agency the yarozuya and his sort of his assistants Kagura, who's like a really tough alien girl in a chinese outfit uh that sounded racist but it's just a traditional chinese dress fuck off all right and shinpachi who's he wears glasses and he's a straight man and it's maybe one of the funniest comics of all time it's been running for 10 years. 10 bloody years and over those 10 years and millions of volumes i don't even know how many volumes would make up 10 years it's about five a year and it's 50 about 50 volumes at least like it's managed to just go and tell almost episodic tales of uh jintoki and his crew getting into weird troubles that can involve fighting with like rebellions against the aliens uh, by accident normally or getting involved with drug dealers having uh, infectious space mushrooms growing in their head helping an alien who looks like a capper stop an area being bulldozed or uh, getting in trouble with the Shinsengumi who were an actual sort of sword police force in the original uh, Meiji era sword ban. Is it, it Meiji era? Meiji? Was it even that era? I don't know. But it has this incredibly large, diverse cast and just comedy up the arse. Up the uh, it reminds me a lot of sort of... Uh, this is going to sound terrible. Like the sort of Jewish brand of American comedy. That very sort of neurotic, overreaction, wordiness sort of uh, banter. And it works brilliantly. Like, I think the people who did the adaptation for the English edition by Viz Media have done an even better job of making this uh, read as such... And I believe that came down to Drew Williams for the adaptation part, so I'm a bully for that guy. And it's just, it's an absolutely fantastic comic. I'm not really selling this enough, because I'm trying to go and pick individual storylines to pick up. Let's put it this way, in one of the early, early stories, right, what happens is they go to go and bust a drug operation. Not deliberately, they're actually trying to go and find uh, a pig-looking girl, uh alien, is she an alien? As fat girl. She's trying to, they're trying to find a fat girl who's gone missing. In turns out she's hooked on drugs. They get in a fight with an OCD freak who, uh, drugs and kidnaps Jin Toki's, uh, younger, younger crew. You see. I'm not gonna edit this. All these ums are gonna stick in. It's gonna be the worst contribution ever. It's perfect. So. Uh, Jin Toki, he teams up with his friend Kasura, who he always calls Zura. Uh, leaning to catchphrase. It's not Zura. It's Kazura. Which is, uh, it's really funny according to Tumblr and they dress up as the most unconvincing sort of uh space captain yamato style pirates but like also hokey porn style sort of look and they go and save the day and at the same time it's like it's like oh it's goofy and they save the day from this and it's action and fighting but also it deals with jintoki's issues with uh how he used to be a samurai fighting against aliens in the past and how he had everyone he cared die around him and just kind of kept going taking the easy path it's it's got pathos it's possibly the most genre balanced shonen jump book you will ever read in your fucking life and you can get the volumes quite cheap i mean i I feel like they're still in print they're not on the kindle yet uh but they're about five pounds a volume and whilst this media haven't collected them all that doesn't matter because you don't need them all you can generally buy Volume One, and then from there pick up any bloody volume you want, and you will probably get by and get loads of laughs. It's like a brilliant sitcom, uh, more so because it actually is a sitcom. It's an anime on on the Japanese tele vid- telev on the telev, and uh, oh, it's not at the moment actually. It it I think it's ended for a while. It had like a movie come out to celebrate and everything, but like it's been hu- even bigger like that than it has been as a comic book, and that's a rare thing to say about shonen jump manga. So yeah, Jintama, Hideaki Sorachi, really bloody funny, go buy it. Next week I'm going to do a review uh, in the style of the beautiful South's old red eyes is back because for some reason I just keep thinking like read, like read, like like you've read a book. Maybe I can do something with that. Bye?
0: The good thing about a really good contribution and nearly all of the contributions we get are even if it's very unlikely you will ever read the comic the person is talking about, uh, because it's not really in your wheelhouse the way the sort of comedy, sitcom, manga series that, um, that Max talks about are. You still enjoy listening to them talk about something. I think podcasting in general is just really great for that. Listening to people who are passionate about things is always pretty cool. If you enjoyed Max's contribution and would like to hear him Talking about more about manga and uh, his clear, clear Japan fetish. Um, you can listen to his podcast. I'll put it in the show notes. It's called FEV or uh, Friendship Effort Victory. Uh, we kind of have a complicated relationship with acronyms around these parts, uh, but. Yeah, he's really owning that one. Friendship, effort, victory. It feels like there should be exclamation marks after each word. Max, can you get back to us and tell us if there are exclamation marks after each word? If you could, please. Thank you. Also, from here on in, I think I'm going to be trying to call TV Tele-V because that is just fucking inspired. Last end... Because it's the right thing to do as one of the hosts to, uh, be nicer about our guest contributors than about one of, uh, one of the other hosts, uh, last stand, definitely least, um, uh, James sent in his spotlight cause he had already prepared it. See, this is the thing, like I said, he's gonna, knowing him, he's gonna really hate on himself and really, uh, bash himself about not making it to a recording but he had his spotlight ready so um so this is james talking about dr horrible and other horrible stories by zach whedon etc
1: oh that's a interesting day okay uh, just uh, just in a very naturalistic way check off my uh, my to-do list here okay so uh, do the washing up uh, check uh, spot of gardening Check, invent cold nuclear fusion, check, Uh, record a podcast that's just me, all on my own, and somehow manage to uh, get it onto the (laughs) mumcast, check, Or, or not, or just possibly, I'm just doing a contribution to do my spotlight tonight, because we didn't manage to get it together, to actually all sit around the same table and record tonight, which is a shame, although happy birthday Jane, it's Jane's birthday, she's got a very good excuse, I'll be honest with you, I've been to the beach today, I haven't really got much of an excuse, I think I'm the only one really who hasn't got a valid excuse, so um, I think I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm not though, it was a lovely day, it's very nice, and uh, my forehead's a little bit sunburnt, no mind, Um, My spotlight is the next in my series of books I've picked up from Southampton Central Library So um, if you're interested in this book, after I've spoken about it, if you wait another week um, You should be able to hire it from that very library, it's very exciting Um, The book I'm going to talk about is Doctor Horrible and Other Horrible Stories by Zach Weedham with uh, various other contributors Um, and it is a short anthology book of Doctor Horrible stories which all tie into the Doctor Horrible sing-along blog of course the the web series that was written by the Whedon Brothers um, uh, as well as oh god this is awful uh, Mauritius Tan I can't pronounce names. Uh, it was written by uh, obviously Doctor Horrible. Singalong blog was written during the writers' strike, or was it 2007? Uh, and was a three-part web series about uh, Doctor Doctor Horrible, played by uh, Doogie Howser, and um, Captain Hammer, who was played off the chap um, from Firefly. That's who played him. Um, and there was a horse, there was a horse in it, and uh, a, a, a wet guy, a wet guy called Moist, and a lady that was part of a, one of the points of a love triangle between uh, a, a Doogie Howser, a Horrible, and Firefly. Um, and they were, and sang songs about it, and um, it was very popular. Everyone loves it. But um, I'm uh, a terrible geek, and I've never seen it. Although um, there's every every chance I I might do um, phew, someone possibly. There's there's an hilarious introduction, and the book itself is um, as I say, it's kind of works an anthology. So you've got a Captain Captain Hammer story, um, uh, which at the denouement of the story he uh, launches. Uh, Dr. Horrible um, which is probably quite unpleasant and then each of the stories that followed so Moist Humidity Rising which is a moist um, origin story Um, uh, Penny Keep Your Head Up which is again a a penny origin story um, which is good and then the Evil League of Evil which introduces them um, as a concept with uh, of course the, heart, the horse as the, the head head of the Eagle league, evil league of Eagle, evil, which is is probably funny. I mean, I really that made me very happy in my face. I enjoyed reading reading about that. I, I particularly like um, the uh, is the who is he? He's uh, Nick always says to me that I should write this stuff down, but I think um, I think it's better for you to hear um, the mental language I go through when I'm trying to remember stuff. It's uh, it's good for myself, it's cathartic. I particularly like uh, fake Thomas Jefferson, who keeps insisting, of course, that he is real. (laughs) It's very funny. Um, And then there's a Doctor Horrible story that features uh, him, uh, a loon, interacting with the world. And each of these stories, basically, um, they they all sort of interweave in a kind of Pulp Fiction-y kind of way, if you know what I mean. Um, they're all really quite charming. So um, they're all written in the same kind of breezy manner that I, I imagine. I imagine the sing-along blog was uh, was written in. But obviously, each story has uh, not obviously at all. Ob- obvious to me because I'm looking at the book. Not necessarily obvious to you um, is each of these stories uh, has a different um, artist, each of whom brings a little different uh, something different to the story. I think they're all written by um, Zach Weedham. Who has a lovely uh, light touch and extremely uh, keen sense of comedy in each of these? There's an awful uh, as again I believe there was in the sing-along blog. There's an awful lot of pathos um, in here. Uh, Doctor Horrible is kind of a conflicted character, kind of ultimately just wants to fit in, doesn't he? Um, but in a really awkward way, and we get to see that in a really sort of visceral. In a v- really visceral way, in the Doctor Horrible story, where we sort of see his origin—it's how he came about—and how um, Nathan Thillen, uh basically turned him, turned him bad, where all he wanted to do was be good. Because, and it's my favourite story because it actually asks quite a difficult question. These are all sort of quite light-hearted knockabout stories that that have a, uh, a depth and a heart to them. But the Doctor Horrible one in particular is lovely because it, it kind of uh, shows Doctor Horrible um, as an uh, intelligent but picked on kid. And essentially um, he sees a confrontation between um, a superhero and a supervillain And basically, the supervillain is just trying to use his brains against the guy's brawn. And to Dr. Horrible, that casts him as the hero because, you know, he's just a little guy. He's the little guy who's intelligent, but he's getting kicked about just because the other guy is bigger and stronger. So although it's a really silly, lighthearted, very tongue-in-cheek story, it has quite an interesting philosophical question at the heart of it. I thoroughly enjoyed the anthology even though at that point I, I kind of even it, I was aware of Doctor Horrible's um, sing-along blog but I, I must admit it didn't really um, twig until I started thinking oh it's uh, Firefly Dude and uh, Diggy Howser these guys look like which is confusing and then of course um, I did a Google which was exciting but even with without that um, prior knowledge I still found it a really engaging, really enjoyable read. Um, really, um, it's one of those sort of curiosities almost that you know. You, I think you probably do need to have in your comic book shelf if you're a, a keen collector. It's available on Dark Horse books, uh, nine dollars ninety nine US. Undoubtedly, considerably cheaper if you go somewhere like Amazon um, or hopefully. We'll all be back to normal next week, and we'll all be sat round a table, happy and and able to pretend this didn't happen. But um, uh, for now, um, have have a nice life, and I'll um, I'll, I'll speak to you again sometime. Bye bye, cetera's. Bye.
0: So that was James. Uh not as steeped in self loathing as he's capable of, but uh, but there was probably a little bit of it there. That does sound pretty good. I'm going to have to make sure that he actually watches Dr. Horrible at some point, though, because it seems ridiculous to me that he hasn't by now. It really is good. Well, I mean, it really was good when it came out. I I don't know uh, how several years of uh, Neil Patrick Harris and Felicia Day nerd love Will have uh, soured me on it because, you know, I tend to allow stuff like that to colour my enjoyment of things. But, um, but it really is good. I enjoy it. I enjoy the songs and the silliness and the songs and the shock twists. Is it a spoiler to tell you there's a shock twist? Yeah, it probably is. Oh well. Uh, right. So. I hope you enjoyed all of those contributions. I hope you enjoyed James. I'm sorry I went on a bit in between the, uh, in between the contributions. Um, I'm sorry I'm not very good at, uh, solo podcast bits. It's really difficult. It's very surreal. I'm, I'm very, uh, I, I really thrive on having someone else across the table to, uh, to, Uh, Well, I was going to say riff off, but more often than not with James and Jane, it's uh, to look at me blankly when I go off on one a bit too far and just watch me and see how long it takes me to get back to something approximating a point. You'll have heard a bit of that if you've listened to the show in the past and and also, obviously, if if you're listening to this one, which you are, because otherwise you wouldn't be able to hear this, uh, you'll have heard a little bit of that, but I edit out the worst of it. Generally, if you uh, hear something on the MomCast that is crushing, like a segment of it that is just crushingly embarrassing and you wish it it wasn't going on as long, it probably went on for longer than that on the original show by a degree of about 50%, so... So just letting you uh, behind the curtain there a little bit. So anyway, as always, thank you for your patience, listener. Uh, this has been a particularly unusual show. Uh, having said that, I think that the contributions we receive tend to be a little bit tighter than the stuff that we do for the show. So it, I don't know, might have felt like a really tight, nice, tight, you know, nice and snug and tight episode. I don't know. Uh, please do comment please do get in touch with us and tell us what you think if uh, for no other reason than that if you really hate this episode and are really super vocal about it it might encourage us to you know uh not be so lame and actually bloody do the episode properly in the future I don't know so uh thanks uh thanks so much to all of our contributors you really bailed us out uh, on this episode. Thanks chaps. Um, we need some female contributors. We know female podcasty people, uh, for definite. And we definitely know lots of female comic fans. So, um, if, uh, you listen to the show and have ever thought about contributing male or female, to be honest, uh, but specifically female, because there aren't any, and it's weird, uh, on, on our, on our previous shows. um, yeah, please do send them in. We take contribute contributions. <laughs> we take contributions every week for every episode of the show uh, when people send them in. Uh Obviously some weeks we have them, some weeks we don't. But uh this particular week it's really bailed us out. So thanks so much to George, uh, to Peter and to Max. And uh, thank you to James who I guess is an honorary contributor this week. I don't know. And uh, thank you to me for putting off doing any uh, editing or recording so late that I'm actually practically exhausted now. My eyes are closing all by themselves. And uh, most of all, thank you to you, listener, for putting up with it all. Bye-bye.